so after a long, long time, mm. I don't, I don't even want to look at that. How long? No, it's it's been well and truly. Over, it's over a year, over two years, I think. I think maybe a year and a half. But in fairness, yeah. if you want us to podcast more often, pay us. Yeah, exactly. As, as is the motto of this show. We fuck don't... you, pay me. We don't do this shit for free. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I, no, we do do this shit for free, and that's the problem. That's our problem. I thought the motto of the show was, we don't give a fuck what you think. Well, that is that is the, the unofficial this is, is that Is that show. just the implied metaphor? Yes. In, in this? yes. <laughs> the implied metaphor in all similar or whatever. Yes. Oh, fucking whatever that went. Welcome. A triumphant return. Welcome back to Nakatomi Ballroom. Nakatomi, the new and improved. Yeah. But, um, no, no, we, <clears throat> we have been away for a while, because, yep. you know, life, motherfuckers. Yeah. Shit happens. Yep. Shit gets real. Yeah, absolutely. You went and got your advanced diploma in art kickery. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I went and directed a gay ass musical. Yep. And then got married to throw people off the scent of my gay ass musical. No, I don't think so though. No, well, but, we we were at your wedding. There was yeah, no that, 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 no true. scent was thrown. <laughs> <laughs> we are aware that. But, but, no, and yes, but here we are. Yeah, and we, we we figured it was a, a, an opportune time to mm. to make our triumphant return. Yes. So as I understand it, we talk about movies and shit, right? Is that how this 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 oh, thing goes? Pretty sure. Uh, Pretty I've, sure. I've got a whole bunch of stuff written down about the U.S. election. Yep. Is that not what we? Not usually, not usually. But look, let's go with it. Because I because I couldn't remember. Yeah. Right. And I thought a couple of pricks. Oh, the field for the Republican primary. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, political, topical. New, different. Yeah. New print. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, no, I got nothing. No. I got nothing. It's too early in the morning. Yeah. It's, this is like the earliest I think we've ever recorded one of these things. I think things. it is. I think it is. This is, uh, so yeah, so this is Sunday morning. Yeah. Because um, usually, usually I'm fuel, fuel on amphetamine and, and cocaine and, yeah. and or on, on the come down from one of those binges. And, yes. Yeah. Like, we recorded once on Suicide Monday, never again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whew. <laughs> Cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> But, this movie um, was shit. Yeah, <laughs> everything. Why am shit. I? Why am I even? You know what? These understand. people are happy. Fuck them. Yeah, damn them all to hell. Yeah. That's my usual standard. <laughs> to be totally honest. I mean, I'm just kind of like Eeyore, you know. But what do you do? Yeah. What do you do? But I think uh, we, should, we, we we've kept the fans waiting long enough. We should That's jump right. straight. There's into enough news. enough preamble. Enough preamble. Enough excessive throat clearing. That's right. Uh, let's just jump straight into some news. <laughs> Well, I have a bit of a theme with my news. I'll let you get. I'll let you see if you can figure it out. Figure it out. In milking a dead horse news, Vin Diesel has announced that Riddick Four was not only coming out, but it will be a prequel. <laughs> Those of you, obviously, because this is an audio medium, my uh, my compatriot in arms face just literally <laughs> fell to the floor in disappointment. I didn't want to disappoint him so early in the festivities, but sure. Uh, so the, he's got with the original co-writer and director of David Tui Tui. And they're returning to the well and siphoning out any decency left in the world by taking us back to where it all began. Now, this is my problem with this, because Pitch Black was a cool little horror fi flick with an intriguing premise, and, and it introduced us to Riddick as a badass. And, but that was about it. You didn't need to go any further. 
And then came all the other shit. And now I'm acutely aware that Pitch Black starts to look a little bit shit in comparison. So I've got to be honest. But didn't they do a prequel? Wasn't that what the Chronicles of Riddick was a... Was that already a prequel? No, that was a that was a follow on because okay. one of the characters was supposed to be the you if you recall Pitch Black mm-hmm. had the girl who was pretending to be a boy. Well, that was her grown up. He went and found her oh. in one of the prisons, and it's an intriguing premise. This this Pitch Black mm-hmm. and whatnot, but oh, for fuck's okay. sake, can it be a crossover with Fast and Furious? I think that's what he's trying to do. Because that would be that would be superb. I would watch the fuck out of that. <laughs> It'd be the first Fast and Furious movie you've ever watched, I'm sure. No, a, a little while ago, yeah. I said, you know what, I'm going to watch the Fast and Furious movies because I felt wrong dumping on something I hadn't seen. Yeah, look, and, but and, and it's then, never really stopped you before, though. Oh, well, I, that's true. So I watched the first one, and then that's about as far as I got. <laughs> you watched the opening credits of the yeah. first one. Let's yes. be... No, I, I, the first one was good. I just it... liked it the first time they made it and called it Point Break. <laughs> exactly right. Love Point Break. Keeping the unnecessary prequel sequel news mm-hmm. Mel Brooks has apparently confirmed Spaceballs 2 The Search for More Money is going to go ahead <laughs> now mm. got to be honest I'm not that interested no I think Spaceballs falls into that category of movies that are that a lot of people consider so nostalgic mm. that they're almost sacrosanct yeah. and you can't call them out for being shit movies because they're sacred Despite I'm looking at you movies. Ferris Bueller yeah and as much as Mel Brooks is a bona fide comedy legend, he hasn't really been relevant for a long time. Mm-hmm. His comedy doesn't really play that well mm-hmm. uh, in the modern era. I'll maybe go and see it if, and the big if, is if Rick Moranis comes out of retirement to do it. I don't think he can pull that off. I think Rick's happily retired. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, as far as I'm concerned, if they if John Candy's not in it, I'm not going to watch it. And that's probably going to be tough to get him out of his retirement. I, I understand he's pretty comfortable where he is <laughs> in his retirement. Really? So, well, it's interesting that you've gone with a, a sequel because you'll um, or prequel because you'll now notice my theme. However, in sequel news that I am happy about, uh, there's a little sleeper hit, John Wick. Did you ever see that bad boy? I've got it. I haven't watched it. It's it's. It's, there's a sequel that's been given the go-ahead, and it's reuniting Nanu with his Matrix co-star, Lawrence Fishburne. Heard it here oh. first. I liked John Wick a lot. It was a straight-up actioner. It was brutal, nonsensical, and introduced a couple of intriguing concepts, or in- interesting concepts. So I think I used intriguing before, so I'm going to go with interesting now. And I'm keen to see in the areas explored in greater detail. Ian McShane played a great character in it, like a real blink, not really a blink and you miss it, a fairly pivotal role, but... Just it was just really interesting sort of little concept, and it's it's but it's no Citizen Kane mm. like it's fucking Keanu Reeves in an actioner, and it's over the top but and it's brutal and it's if that's brilliant. what if if you're gonna do that do that um, well and it sounds like from from everything I've heard it, they did what they needed to do really well absolutely I'm frightened however that the sequel's going to eat colossal man bag as the first one was made on a twenty million dollar budget and like made it back five times over and I think as usual no doubt they'll throw more money at a sequel. And more money means more studio interference, and it'll it'll lose the magic of the first one. Absolutely, but I mean, as as if our fans know nothing about me, they know I'm the eternal optimist. So that's true. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to it. Keeping the unintentional franchise sequel. This is almost theme. like we've done this before. I know. Three big franchises, mm-hmm. three monster franchises, put out trailers in this past week. Aha! Uh-huh. Now, I think there's a little test for you. Yep. 
those three trailers mm-hmm. gave me three very, very different feelings. Okay. One, uh, this looks shit. Mm-hmm. Number two was, yeah, it looks about what I'd expect. Nothing, mm-hmm. ex- nothing fantastic. And then, oh my fucking God. Oh my fucking God, this looks awesome. Oh my fucking God. They were my three reactions. Right. I think I've got your, this. Your, your job I think is to this. guess which three movies, are, which, which three franchise sequels they right. refer to. I'm up to this task. Okay, Star Trek is one of them, Star Trek Beyond. Yes. And I think that was the oh my fucking God one because, and that's simply because of Beastie Boys and Sabotage. I'm wrong. I can you tell by your face. You that was the, uh, that looks shit. Yes. Really? Yes. Okay, because I was actually quite intrigued by that one. I thought that was pretty. Maybe, maybe if I watched it with the sound down. Yeah. I would be uh, okay. So yeah, then, I, I think you're on a sabotage. <laughs> what I noticed about sabotage is how very similar it sounds to fucking Gorilla Radio from Rage Against the Machine. And fuck you if you disagree with me. Not you specifically. No. I mean, yes. Yes. But any, you know, listeners, yeah. I was talking to you. Um, all right. Well, then that means Batman versus Superman was the. That's not, not one of the three of them. Ah. Because that's been out for a while. This is what I'm because about. I would have thought that would have been the one you, you would have anticipated. Yeah. Oh, well, then I feel infinitely. Not no confident big franchise. What else is coming out? So the two the two other trailers yeah. were X Men Apocalypse. Oh, I haven't seen that one yet. And Independence Day Two. Oh, I have seen that one yet, and that's got to be. Oh no, see, 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 Star Trek was the one that you didn't went. Uh, so okay. Independence Day was what you expected. No, Independence Day was oh my fucking god, oh my fucking. God. Oh really? Okay, well we're gonna have to rewind and record all yeah. over this and make me sound much smarter. Cool, yeah. Yeah, so then a four apocalypse was what you expected. Yeah, like, I'm, oh, I'm kind of done with the X Men yeah. movie. And that's so. just like, yeah, yeah, it's another X Men movie. Yeah. I'll watch it because, you know, Olivia Munn. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm suddenly back into the X Men movies. But then, you know, oh, yeah, I haven't seen that one. I'll have to have a, I'll have to check it out. But, but yeah, um, Independence Day? Fuck yeah. Well, I loved Independence Day. Yeah. I thought it was such a stupid, crappy little movie. I know that everybody talks about like you know uploading a Mac. <laughs> given the and what I thought was funny is given the trouble recently I've had with iTunes and phones and whatnot, I thought I, was, I actually was updating my new phone. Going, mm. um, there's no fucking way in the world <laughs> Mac could be compatible with anything else. Uh. It's just, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, well, there you go. So I clearly wasn't up to the task. Yeah. No. So right. so so you're not into Star Trek beyond it just seems really cheesy and lame okay i'm a bit disappointed that it looks like they destroy the enterprise i think that's but that happens every two or three minutes it's been done like for fuck's sake i'm over like christ can't this fucking thing this is supposed to be the flagship of the the imperium i nearly said the imperium (laughs) this is flagship of the federal well it's probably the same thing imperium by a different name and it keeps getting fucking wrecked and blown up i don't know I don't know. I was actually. You know, I think Kirk's just probably not <laughs> I think no one's ever told him that, but I would agree. I think he's pretty shit. See, because as you know, I hated the first Star Trek movie, and yes. in particular, I hated the scene of throwing Kirk off the Enterprise onto an ice planet where Scotty just happened to be and fighting a giant lizard on an mm. ice planet, and that was pretty much it. And then the tone of it was a bit. Ah, but I really liked Into Darkness. Yes. I liked a lot of it. And I thought it was a really good night. So I kind of... And then Sabotage did help. Mm. I must admit, I'm listening to it. Going, oh, that's, is that fucking Sabotage? Like, and then, oh, that was it. Yeah. I was hooked. So anyway, did you see Will Wheaton? You know, d- Desperate to be Relevant, Will Wheaton has come out about that going, oh, I saw an interesting trailer today about a generic sci-fi un- movie, but they all seem to be wearing Star Trek uniforms. Fuck off, Fuck you Will has Wheaton. been... Oh. You did one thing once, yeah, and you're playing on that forever. I just want to punch him in his and stupid Will wanted, Wheaton face. That's right. 
you know. I mean, I know, I know he's probably listening. I guarantee he's listening. And he just so, tweeted me. I'm going to ignore it. Because fuck Will Wheaton. So, fuck Will Wheaton. <laughs> Will Wheaton. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so back to sequels we don't want. Quentin Tarantino was asked in a recent interview about Kill Bill 3, to which he responded, there's definitely a possibility, stop short of saying a probability. Now, we talked about a little of this offline, and then we thought we'd save this juice for everybody else. Kill Bill, I loved it. I, I don't view it as one and two. I view it as a whole movie. The whole bloody affair is a great way to watch it. It's done. It's done and dusted. That poor bitch went through hell. Mm. She got a kid at the end. Spoilers. She got a kid at the end. Everyone's fucking dead. She did the five-point exploding heart technique. Uh, she got called a cunt. I've done it. First one. Oh, oh magical. First cunt of the day. <laughs> and that was the second one. I think leave her alone. We're done now. We don't yeah. need to go. So what could they possibly do? Yeah. And problem with Uma Thurman is I think maybe a surgeon's knife's been a little around a little bit. So maybe she's not going to look like she's possibly aged. I don't know. But he did say it's a possibility because he wants to work with Uma again because we all know that QT's got the hots for Uma. Yeah. I'm happy for him to work with Uma again, but that's a story that's been told. Yep. That there's no need to go back to that particular well. Yeah. I don't think he needs to go back to anything. I think Quentin Tarantino needs to continue to forge forward and... He's in his 50s now. I didn't realise that. I mean, it's been that long. Pulp Fiction burst on the scene in 1994. That's 20 years ago now. Fuck doesn't me. need to be done. No. Go for it. We talked in, in a previous episode, we talked about the blacklist. Yes. Not the Spader TV show. Yeah. But the list Which of, is surprisingly good. Because it's Spader. The list of unproduced screenplays that mm-hmm. have been rated by Hollywood producers and voted on by Hollywood producers to come up with the best unproduced scripts. Yeah, which in some instances have actually turned into some pretty good movies. Yeah. So the 81 script list has come out, over 250 possibles. Yep. And as usual, there's some things in there that are intriguing, and there's some things in there that just sound like absolute shit. (laughs) Some of my highlights. Francis and the Godfather. Facing financial ruin, auteur filmmaker Francis Ford Coppola is forced to direct the adaptation of Mario Puzo's pulp novel The Godfather, pitting him against legendary mega-producer Robert Evans. Also in the list, I Believe in America. A behind-the-scenes look at the making of The Godfather, revealing the creative forces behind one of the finest American films ever made were all as cunning and as ruthless as the mobsters portrayed in Mario Puzo's bestseller. So two movies about about making The Godfather. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Really? Yes. I mean, they're docos, or are they... No, no, I think they're they're, they're fictionalised films. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I pass on those. I'm glad they've passed. I'll talk to my people to make sure they don't get made. And then there's just some stupid stuff. Carnival. A deadly carnival knife thrower hunts down the members of a powerful crime syndicate who murdered his sister. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Fucking back up a truckload of money and make that in the film. What the fuck? Cut and run. A female urologist and a retired hooker form an unlikely friendship when they team up to take down a notorious sex trafficker in Miami. Shut up and take my money. I'm not even joking. You lead with fucking Francis Ford Coppola thinking, ooh, it'll appeal to my art side. I want these films made. You know what I want to see? A carnival with the other one crossover. Hollywood? Yeah. Will Wheaton, you've got contacts. Hook us up. Yeah. We take back all that stuff about you being a cunt. As long as you're not in it, that's fine. Unless unless he's the the sex trafficker. (gasps) I, I can see Will Wheaton. Yeah. yeah. Reagan. 
When Ronald Reagan falls into dementia at the start of his second term, an ambitious intern is tasked with convincing the commander-in-chief that he is an actor playing the president in a movie. So that's a true-life documentary? Yeah. yeah. It wasn't an intern, that was his wife. Oh, was that Nancy? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty sure Nancy. So that one actually could be good. Yeah. Could be good. But the one that got the most votes, the yeah. one that's at the top of the list, Bubbles. A baby chimp is adopted by pop star Michael Jackson. Narrating his own story, Bubbles the Chimp details his life within the King of Pop's inner circle through the scandals that later rocked Jackson's life and eventually led to Bubbles' release. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. How is this not going to be the greatest movie of all time? I'm going to pen that script right now. (laughs) I I will... (laughs) I need to take out a loan to make this movie happen. That's that is just genius. Magical. As soon as he said bubbles, I went, no. Really, no? No, no. Yes. But He's going there, there. the best thing, narrating his own story. So, the big question, who voices bubbles? Morgan Freeman. Gotta be Morgan Freeman. It's gotta be Morgan yeah. Freeman. I mean, if he can do penguins, he can yeah. do penguins. Prometheus 2, or Alien Covenant, has nabbed Catherine Waterson as the female lead after apparently Numi Rapace's character Shaw is dead as fuck. And Michael the Fassbender, Fassbender, is somehow being not. Those of you who don't know Waterson, I know her only from her playing uh, Emma Harrow and for a couple of episodes in Boardwalk Empire, and that's only because her IMDb page told me about it. I liked bits about Prometheus, but it was a real disappointment, so I am not into this at all. And I don't give a fuck that you've called it Alien Covenant. Like, fuck off. You're done. Ridley, you fucked it. Go, what did you... Fucked it. You've just fucked everything you've touched now. Everything that you've... Well, What's he done lately? The Martian. Oh, well, okay. Uh, I suppose. All right. Begrudging. Yeah, but see, that was a, that was a, <laughs> that was a blip in an otherwise downward, <laughs> downward trajectory, trajectory. <laughs> of just fucking shit. Exodus. Fucking... Um, even sometimes now I look back at Black Hawk Down and go, uh, I mean, it's not. It's awesome. Tom Hanks to star in Sully about the pilot who landed his plane in the Hudson River. Love the Hankster, but I don't know if even his hankness can make this film interesting because we know how it ends. Yeah. Yeah, well, we sort of knew how Captain Phillips ended too. But, look, yeah, I don't think that's... Look, Bridge of Spies apparently is supposed to be staggeringly good. And any time... Is he collaborating with Spielberg on this I don't believe this is Spielberg. If it was Spielberg, I'd be in. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we already saw this with Flight Plane. Mm. With, uh, not Flight Plane. Flight, Flight with Denzel. With Denzel yeah. uh, which was a pretty good movie. I don't know. I love it. Yeah. I've, I've gotten over my Hank's hate for no reason. I just don't know why I hated you him. Did, you and just switched on one day. You know what? He's not... Yeah, he's, yeah. he's too much Hank's. I can actually pin it all the way back to Forrest Gump. And I just loathe that movie with every fibre of my being. And I think that Hank's was to blame. But anyway, I'm, I'm not yeah. going to watch that shit. So... Again, continuing with my theme, and from one piece of shit to another, Predator 4 script is complete. I know. So, I love Predator. I actually liked Predator 2, despite it being smashed by the critics. And then there was the utter shit of uh, the Alien vs. Predator movies, which ate colossal sweaty man balls, and Shanks, you fucking know it. And this ultimately disappointing Predators, which tried but just rehashed the first film. Now, this film has apparently been penned by Shane Black, Oh. Uh, who was in the first film, and he did some uncredited rewrites on that script and directed the most excellent Iron Man 3. So he's involved with this. So I'm doubtful that this will suck ass, but maybe just maybe the ass might not be sweaty. 
Fair enough. So that's my... So this is a, an unsweaty ass. Excellent. My last thing is some technology news. Yep. Netflix has released plans for DIY socks, which you can make yourself, that have sensors in them, that can tell if you've fallen asleep and will pause your show if you're in the middle of a House of Cards marathon. I thought this did this already, because... My wife goes to sleep watching Netflix overnight. Yeah. She usually just lets it just run and she'll watch a TV show or something. And, and that should just give you a sad indictment of the state of our marriage. But other than that, it's a, she will often go back to watch Netflix and it will be about halfway through the episode where she left off. Mm-hmm. And I've theorized, I've not bothered researching this because I figure I know everything anyway, is that it figures it because you know how I don't know if you've if you've done a Netflix marathon and it occasionally it comes up and says do you, you want to keep watching yeah I think it does that and then you times out and mm. you go well no and then it just switches itself off and yeah. then it goes back to the last time you did any activity on Netflix yeah. so whether you paused it turned up the volume or something along those lines but this is obviously has proven that theory wrong mm. I want the socks yeah bring on the socks so they've got a little sensor in them that, that senses movement yeah and if you're still for long enough a little red light flashes. Mm-hmm. So if you're just transfixed, you see the light, you just give your foot a little shake and it yep. doesn't activate. But if it senses no movement for long enough, pause. Which means you've probably still missed out on a good five minutes or so. Yeah, yeah. but only five minutes. Yeah. Not, it hasn't gone and played four more episodes. But see, some people twitch when they go to sleep. Like I twitch a little bit before I go yeah. to sleep too. So I have to talk to Netflix about this. I'll give, I'm going to give them a call now. Can we pause this? Yeah. Excellent. And we're back. That was, that was not the phone call I was expecting. <laughs> that uh, this podcast now brought to you by Stan, Australia's <laughs> premium. Uh... I think the accompanying dick pic really really sold that. Uh, yeah, uh, and so well, finally, yeah, yeah. put a sock on this didn't really help. <laughs> finally, a sequel that may have just made me interested enough to see it. Kurt Russell is rumored to be joining Guardians of the Galaxy. <gasps> Allegedly, he of the majestic mullet will play Star Lord's much discussed but not seen father. No, I didn't like Guardians oh. of the Galaxy. See, I, I loved Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. I, think, I thought Guardians was brilliant. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't like it at all because I was bored shitless. And I went in. I went in kind of wanting to like it, but I didn't. So, what are you gonna do? So, but I'll probably watch that because yeah. I love Kurt Russell. Yeah, there's pretty much nothing I won't see Kurt no. Russell in. I and I mean, I watched that... Escape for a life from a life for fuck's sake. <laughs> and. That moustache in glorious 70 mil. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an amazing. <laughs> For those who haven't seen Kurt Russell lately, go Google image search that one. Yeah, or just watch um, the preview for Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight. Oh. That's a magnificent stat. And it's all real. Yeah. It's all homegrown. There's no... That's that's getting up to Sam Elliott levels. Yeah. Of, uh, of, of stashery. Yeah. Not quite Tom Selleck. Because Tom well, Selleck is... You can't, you can't be the king. Yeah. But you come come pretty close. Come pretty close. So, the reason we've come back is... There's been a big film yes. come out. There's been a big film. Yep. It's a sequel to a beloved franchise, possibly the most hyped 
movie of all time and we felt it was our duty as semi-amateur film reviewers and shit talkers to come and have a talk about Hotel Transylvania 2. Yes. It's an exciting movie. It's an exciting... And it's an intriguing premise because I thought once Hotel Transylvania sort of... I think it tied everything up with a neat bow. How, so for them how do to you come go back, back to that well and, and keep the fans happy? Exactly right. But yes, of course, we are talking about Star Wars. Star Wars The Force, the Force Awakens. Awakens. Released in 2015, directed by J.J. Abrams. Written by J.J. Abrams, Lawrence Kasdan and Michael Arndt. Based on characters created by someone. Yes. Fill me with your... Filming with your so, I've written a lot more on this film than I usually do. <laughs> so, we've got to clear a few things out from the start. Mm-hmm. While I haven't actively put spoilers in there, there will be spoilers in this. Oh, we will talk em. about things. There's spoilers. If you haven't seen this film, what the fuck is wrong with you? And don't listen from yeah, this point on. Stop. Go watch the film, preferably twice, then come back. Yeah. Come back and listen after that. Number two, second thing you need to know. If you hadn't already picked it up, Woody and I are both big Star Wars fans. Mm-hmm. We are we are seeped in Star Wars. Yes. Well steeped. Well steeped. Well steeped, steeped even. So for us, this movie had a lot riding on it. Mm-hmm. Because, let's be honest, the world, and I don't, don't believe I'm overstating this, 15 years ago, the world lost its capability to hope. <laughs> I don't think that that is an understatement, <laughs> and especially the imagination. The world did become a little dark. Yeah. Plot. Yeah. It's 30 years... Since the events of Return of the Jedi, the shards of the Empire have reformed into the First Order. The Rebellion has become the Resistance, and hotshot Resistance pilot Poe Dameron is on a secret mission for a hint to the whereabouts of Luke Skywalker. On the First Order side, young stormtrooper called FN2187, or Finn as he is later renamed, decides that this life isn't for him and wants a change. And on the desert planet Jakku, mysterious 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 leave that in leave it in that's beautiful <laughs> mysterious, mysterious scavenger ray finds a new ship some new friends and a new hope oh. now you're all justifiably groaning at that line and you are right to do so yeah but if i have an issue with this film it is this in bringing us the star wars movie that we've been waiting for since jedi came out he has essentially given us episode four again mm-hmm. with parts of five and six for good measure to wit, important intel hidden in a droid, a young warrior with inklings of the Force and a wise ancient mentor, a complicated father-son relationship between a good guy and a bad guy, and a powerful planet-destroying weapon that can be taken down through an inexplicably exploitable flaw in design. Now, those are just niggles. JJ had an almost impossible brief. Make a Star Wars movie that will revitalise and reinvigorate the franchise. The franchise that has the most loyal fandom in the world. And rabid fans. Rabid fandom in the world, and who have already been badly burnt once before. Mm-hmm. There was no middle ground for JJ. Yep. There was overwhelming success, or there was abject failure. There was nothing in between. And, I've got to say, he has succeeded. Oh, yes. Yeah. He has made an amazing Star Wars movie that pays its respects to the past, but also sets it up for the future. I know that my colleague across the uh, across the way here had some issues with JJ's first Star Trek movie. One of the things that he has oft lamented is that it was too oh look what I did here wink wink mm-hmm. nudges and 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 throwbacks to to Star Trek. And I had concerns that there would be some of that in that film. But all the throwbacks bar one 
and all the reintroductions of beloved characters were handled in such an authentic, natural, and organic way that there was no cringe. It felt right. Nothing was shoehorned, nothing was forced. I have to confess, the first time that I watched the movie, and I've seen it twice so far, there were tears of nerdstalgia. Mm. Nerdstalgia, it's a word. Welling up in my throat mm-hmm. the first time I saw the Falcon. Yeah. When Chewie hugged Leia. Yeah. And that magical, perfect scene at the very end of the film. I geeked out. I had a raging geek heart on through, through all of those scenes. I thought they were dealt well. But let's talk specifics about the movie. Kylo Ren, Adam Driver, is a great villain. Conflicted, unstable, and powerful. But my favourite bad guy, I think, has got to be General Huxley. The I, think, se- I think it's just Hux. It's just Hux, is it? Just Hux, yeah. The scenes in which he and Ren... Because it used to be Huxtable, but they decided that was, <laughs> that was too rough. <laughs> the scenes in where he and Ren fight like brothers for Daddy's approval, yep. Daddy in this case being Supreme Leader Snoke, are fantastic, as well as are Ren's unhinged rages. Mm. The big spoil of who Ren is, of Ren's parentage, I don't think was done quite as well as it could have been. It kind of seemed a bit of a throwaway. I think he could have dealt with that a little better. That moment should have been gobsmacking when we Mm. found that out, but it wasn't. Also, while we're talking about Kylo Ren, there was nothing about the Knights of Ren. Except for that one scene with a group of them that we saw in the trailer, which we now know is a force hallucination of Rey's. I would have liked to know more of the, these Knights of Ren that they talked about. But there was nothing There was nothing about them. That's going to have to wait till the next movies. The driving force of this film are Rey and Finn. They are both amazing individually and together. They're both the, the acting of both of them is wonderful, but for me, the standout is Ray. Mm-hmm. She gives an incredible performance, and the character, the character is so well-defined and fleshed out and real. And I think that's what makes this film as great as it is. It's the realness of the characters. And if I can just put my feminist hat on for a minute, how fantastic is it that the biggest movie of all time has a strong, complex female lead? Mm-hmm. Because while there are a lot of people, it's it's Ray's story mm-hmm. for the large part. Ray and Finn, I think. Yeah. It, I think it shares, but I yeah. agree with you completely. And they even mention it a few times. They're blatantly, you know, when Finn grabs her hand to run off, she's you know, like, let go of my hand. Yeah. I don't know. I don't fucking need you. Yeah. In the year where film gave us Furiosa, we also get Ray, and I have nothing but hope for the future for what that means. And the good thing about that is because it's the same film franchise that gave us Princess Leia. The very competent, the very strong, yeah. the very powerful Princess Leia. There's also a realness to the action. Mm. In the big climatic lightsaber fight, sort of both parts of it, it's clumsy. It's messy. It isn't a well-choreographed battle between two masters of their of their craft. It's a desperate attempt to survive. Mm. Even Ren, the bad guy, you can see his inexperience. Yeah. He's not Darth Vader. He's not this perfect master. He's he's a badass, but he's a young kid who's scared by what he's doing and isn't is not sure of himself. He's a petulant child. I mean, you see it by his ridiculous rages when he mm. he just loses his shit when yeah. things don't go his way. And I think that's shown in those in those fights. Yeah. He's <laughs> just he's a scared kid. If I have any criticisms of the, of the movie, and there are a few, yeah. but only a very few. One is how derivative it was from the original trilogy, yeah. which, which I've already spoken about. The second is Captain Phasma. 
for how big a deal was made about Gwendolyn Christie, mm. she's on screen for maybe two fucking minutes. Yeah. I hope, like, and we're told Kathleen Kennedy has said that she's going to have a bigger part in the later films. Okay, so I haven't heard that because that's actually one of the criticisms. And frankly, me. she'd fucking better. Yeah. Because... Well, is she going to be this trilogy's Boba Fett? That's that's you know, the assumption, I yeah. think. And there's one scene that I think we briefly spoke about that sits wrong with me. When our heroes all come back from blowing up, you know, Starkiller base after Han has died, Chewie walks right past Leia. Yeah. There's they don't look at each other. There's no connection there. Yeah. This is a dude who has just lost his best friend. He's just yeah. seen his best friend killed of some sixty years. Yeah. Really. And plus. And the only person in the universe that could probably get that, that understands anything of that, mm. is Leia. Yep. And there's nothing. She goes yeah. and, and comforts Ray, who has known Han for a fucking week. Yeah. It just... That jarred with me because it just felt wrong mm. that there wouldn't be something between Chewie and Leia because they have a complex history and, yep. and Han is at the centre of it. Just For him just to, to walk past with Finn on a trolley. Like, if he had just stormed off and raged off, fine. Yep. But just to be in, in ships passing in the night didn't didn't do anything for me but the money shot of the film the thing that that forgives all that came before it is that very last sequence where we where we finally see luke this this was perfect we didn't need luke coming in in this movie i had this dread the first time i was watching it that he was going to come in as part of that lightsaber fight between ray and 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 ren i thought he was going to come into that and he didn't and i'm glad he didn't but the way that they found Luke, the way that's handled, is just superb. And Mark Hamill, with no words, acts better and tells you more in his face than he did in all of episode four. <laughs> so this film, essentially, did what it needed to do. Mm-hmm. It made us hungry for more and gave us questions that we're going to obsess about for the next two years. Who is Supreme Leader Snoke? What's his deal? Who are Ray's parents? Why did they drop her on Jakku? Why don't Carrie Fisher's lips move anymore? <laughs> and is Daniel Craig really the stormtrooper that Ray uses her Jedi mind controls on? This is not a perfect movie, but it's awfully fucking close to being the perfect Star Wars movie. And I'm giving it four and a half stars. Yeah. David. I sat down last night. I've seen it three times now in, in two days. I saw it once effectively by my... Well, I was. I was by myself in the no date seats. The second time I saw it, I was with my kids. And the third time I saw it, I was in a packed cinema filled with people who had dressed up and everything. And watching this movie in three different scenarios has given me... actually filled three fairly significant, if I can say... uh, I won't say holes in my psyche or something, but I needed to watch it by myself for the first time. I didn't need to be... I was actually so glad that's the way I did it. Because I needed to cry when a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And the music hit. John Williams. Jesus fucking Christ. That score is staggering. It was had enough of the score that we know and love. Plus some really beautiful scenes. Ray's theme that we, we basically hear when she sli- when we, we first encounter Ray. Um, and she slides down the side. That's a, that is a beautiful piece of music. I uh, yeah I could rave and rave and rave about John Williams score because it, it it hit every emotional high point and it reminded me that this is a space opera it's not sci-fi it's not I mean it's all of those things 
but it's a space opera. It has always been operatic. It's always been bigger than itself and whatnot. And I think John Williams' score really helps. I can't imagine anybody scoring anything for, to do with Star Wars is not John Williams. I just can't. I mean, I love Hans Zimmer. I love James Horner. I just, I just know it's 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 fucking, it's it's yeah. John Williams all the way. So last night, so having seen it three times, seeing it with a, a group of people, like a massively filled cinema, mm. was incredible because I didn't realize how fucking funny this film mm. is, and that was really good. I think this was the trademark that separated it away from all the others. But I did, I, last night when I was sort of sitting down, I, I wrote all I wanted to do because I could gush about how much I love this fucking film. Five stars for me. There's no, no half stars at all. It's five <laughs> stars for me. I loved everything about it. So what I did is I sat down and tried to think of all the things I didn't like about it. Number one, you've already mentioned, Captain Phasma was a complete wasted character. I mean, what the fuck? That could have been anyone under that mask. Mm. And assuming that she doesn't, she doesn't die, I, I'm hoping. And I didn't know that Kathleen Kennedy said that she's got another role or anything so i mean i can only assume that she's going to make it her life's goal to hunt down finn and make him pay snoke i think is probably the worst cgi i've seen in a long time i did not like it i just not when you have the near perfect mocap body double performance for maz or mars i didn't even talk about maz she was that was Brilliant. I completely believe that character was there. I looked at it and went, this is fantastic. For all the visual effects, there were a few... There's a couple of missteps. The creature that John that is drinking out of the water, where John Boyega mm. goes to drink, if you look at that, I mean, having seen it three times, now things start to seep in. Um, you can see that the, the skin is actually fabric because it catches in the breeze and you can see mm. the mechanic. But so what? There was so much about Star Wars that you went, oh, that's fake as fuck. But you, you just went with it. You were accepting of it, and that was this. But that Mars CGI mocap, however they did it, because I think it's, she's a tiny, it's a little person that, that is in the mocap suit, is, is perfect. Snoke, given that it's Andy Circus, given that it is the mocap god, I thought the CGI was terrible. I really did. Now, so Because the, the problem I have with it is because assuming we're going to see more of him, at some point, people are going to actually interact interact with more than just a hologram, and I'm frightened that I'm frightened that unless it's a fake out, that he's not 500 foot tall, that it's really just going to be you know a little dude like Wizard of Oz, a little dude behind the curtain. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that was the the first movie. Now, see, this is where you and I are going to differ, Luke. Seriously, like oh, we waited the whole fucking movie. I'm checking my watch, going, where's Luke? And then we get this Return of the King-esque style ending with Luke being found. I can see why they did it. It was a great scene, but the juice was not worth the squeeze for me. I think they could have introduced him earlier. He didn't need to play a pivotal role. Like he didn't need, they, they just needed to have found him. I thought when R2-D2 fired up, which is another criticism I sort of have, that next off girl we were going to see, he was going to fire up and we were going to go, what the fuck's going on here? And Luke was going to come in. That's what I thought. I, and I, that would have made more sense to me. It was interesting that when Kylo Ren's in Ray's mind and he says, I see the island in the middle of the ocean and next off go, that's where Luke is. So that wasn't, that was a force projection and whatnot. But I don't know. I just, it just leaves such an unanswered question. He's, and I've got to be honest, they painted Luke out to be a, car- a coward. In, in in what we've seen so far and so I don't want because as far as from what we can understand he tried to train some new Jedi one of them went to the dark side 
potentially killed all the others. And so instead of taking him out, which would have been his duty, he's thrown himself into exile. Yeah. Like, because for me, Star Wars is always Luke Skywalker. Everyone loves Han Solo. I love Han Solo. We all want Chewbacca as our friend and probably all want to fly the the Millennium Falcon. For me, when anyone ever mentions Star Wars, the scene where Obi-Wan Kenobi gives Luke Skywalker his father's lightsaber for the first time and he turns it on was the moment that I became the eternal Star Wars fan. Han Solo, Princess Leia, all the other characters, they're all fantastic, they're all what. But whenever I played Star Wars with people, while all of my other friends were arguing about being Han Solo, I just went, I'll be Luke. I'll be Luke. He's my favourite character of the whole thing. And so he, I, I don't want the next movie to start with him having to explain his actions. Whatever ex- explanation he's got, it better be good. Because right now, I think, what the fuck did you do? You took it upon yourself to take out the Emperor and Vader to save the galaxy. Are you going to try and tell me you didn't have the strength to do it again? I know it was your nephew. But come the fuck on, we couldn't have restrained him. We couldn't have tossed him on a fucking island in the middle of nowhere. Like, anyway, the Star Killer base hiding something in a droid, hitting the precise part of a death death planet to blow it up. I mean, yes, it was that to me. That was lazy. It was it was too much of a nod to the previous one. Ray is a badass Jedi like character in seconds. I mean, I can deal with the fact that she could fight at the beginning, but if you can just use the, the Force because clap your hands and mm. you believe then why train Jedi? Like, what's the... You know, and I'm, I'm being really nitpicky, but these were things that bothered me afterwards. And a couple of contrivances. I can handle the Millennium Falcon, maybe, just happens to be on Jakku. Uh, but Han and Chewie just happen to pop out of nowhere and, and find it. Well, they said they were tracking it. Yeah, but really? They were yeah. tracking... So so that's that's a thing now? You can just, you know... you know, They just happen to be hauling monster ten- tentacle monsters of death. And what is it with JJ putting in fucking monsters in the middle of his... Like, that's it was Star Trek all over again. The very thing I complained about. And then we get to Mars, who happens to have Luke's lightsaber. R2-D2 just happens to wake up, and he just happens to have the part of the map that they need to... I mean, maybe it's all the Force, but fuck me, you know. Five stars, people. Like, don't, I know I'm <laughs> shitting on this film. Five fucking stars, because I could, I could spend hours telling you why this film is the greatest fucking piece of film (laughs) but i think we need to know about it and i think i just i would like to finish on my little part of it it's five stars i believe i believe ray is luke's daughter Mm -hmm. i think hands down that's it not i think they're trying to play the luke Hart is she isn't she and it it possibly would i think it would make more high drama if it she was leia and han's daughter because i think my I, I don't know maybe as a parent maybe I'm, maybe I'm looking into this my kid is better than your kid scenario like a, a Luke Skywalker's daughter is going to be better than Princess Leia's son and no I don't know if I like that but to me Ray's speeder bike land speeder which is actually pretty cool uh, she's got the handmade X-wing pilot doll in the in the thing she puts that fucking helmet on which a friend of mine did a little bit of research it's got 733 written on the side of that helmet mm. 733 is what he could find was the number written on the pilot Zach something or other who finds Han and Luke on Hoth. So whether that's a, now whether that's the only and I'm going off him but I've no reason to doubt it. Is that something that JJ put in so that fans would go away and find it and go you know because it's because right, that's the kind of filmmaker JJ is he will do shit like that perfectly capable of doing and, the, it. and this film when this comes out on Blu-ray 
This film is going to be analysed frame by frame, fucking frame. Frame by frame by frame by frame. So, Probably by us. Yes, guaranteed. <laughs> She's a natural pilot, which Luke was. She, her force vision in the castle was similar to Luke in the Dagobah cave, mm. like that concept of fucking what's going on. And, the you know, like, I mean, that was probably a little bit, I don't know, I was sort of just getting on a bit of a roll. Ray, I'm sorry, Mars just basically comes out to Ray and says, you fucking got the force, kid. Mm. Like, that was a force vision and yeah. the lightsaber called to you. I already mentioned about the dreams of the island and the ocean and whatnot. And a couple of things here, the son and the granddaughter are both able to pull the lightsaber out of the snow when they need it the most, because Luke in Empire Strikes Back needed it. Han offers her a job on the Millennium Falcon. He did the same thing for Luke in A New Hope. And the only reason I know that, and it's before everyone goes, oh, I've clearly just searched the internet. The only reason I know that is because in preparation for this film, I showed my kids episodes four, five, and six. And as soon as he says, I, you know, basically he says, you're a good, I could use you in a fight and all that stuff, I thought... Didn't he say the same thing to Luke like fucking a night and a half ago? And because in my mind he did. So, and interestingly, and I don't know if this means anything, but Return of the Jedi has the first two words in the opening crawl of Luke, Return of the Jedi are Luke Skywalker has blah, blah, blah. And in this film, it's Luke Skywalker has vanished. And the smallest thing in the world is that the, the end crawl, they used four dots for an ellipsis. They should have used three. Anyway, well, fuck, and that's not enough to lose half a star. I don't know what is. Mars, when she turns to Han Solo and says, so who's the girl? Mm. And they cut away. And so they've got... So My problem is to here is that my only my biggest issue is apart from all of those things. And so to me, that's Luke's daughter. It's got to be Luke's daughter. But it could equally fit that it's Han's daughter because they were trying to protect her and whatnot. And again, it's hard because as a parent, I could not possibly imagine... Think how he wouldn't know. How, or, and, and how could you leave your kid on a fucking desert planet in the middle? But then you've got to look at the, the concept of you are acutely aware of how powerful these people are, that it is actually quite dangerous for them. Max von Sydow, who the fuck was he? Yeah. Oh, that's he, gonna... he felt like he should have been someone. That could have been yeah. anybody. So yeah. for them to have Max von Sydow yeah. as that character... Yeah. This movie raised so many questions and for the first time since Empire Strikes Back, it's felt part of the opening of a trilogy. Yeah. Star Wars, A New Hope, or Star Wars as I, I know it, love it, was a complete film. Yes. This was not. No. And it relied a lot that you had to have You had watched. to know what was going on. Yeah. If, if, there's, if there's another criticism, it's mm. you needed to know what the yeah. fuck was going on. But Star Wars is so deeply embedded in our, in the zeitgeist in our in our psyches that no one doesn't know yeah but and just to talk on the the, the, the acting daisy ridley has well just blew me away her and john boyega mm. for me uh, i loved oscar isaac as poe dameron but too small mm. too small the the sequence where poe dameron's taking those fucking t- and the wave jj mm. filmed that that was something else yeah. like that was amazing but Daisy Ridley's performance uh, uh, so strong, yet at the same time so innocent. So, I've, I've, you know, the way she talks about her family, I've been waiting for a long time. I know a little bit about waiting, she says. She's vulnerable, but she's... And when they come together in the Millennium Falcon after killing those TIE fighters, which was an amazing fake out, because we watched the, the trailer going, oh, look, Han Solo's flying the Millennium Falcon. No, nope. wasn't. didn't imagine that in a million years. That, that over there, that's garbage, has mm. to be the best reveal yeah. of the Millennium Falcon ever. 
But their interplay, everything about them, I could not wait for them to be on screen. And when so much so when Harrison Ford is on screen, I I just really look forward to his interactions yeah. with the younger people. He was <laughs> I mean And that little thing like when Finn's going through junk on the Falcon. He finds he a little treasure. <laughs> yeah, and he goes, What the fuck is this? and just throws yeah. it off to the side, like doesn't even yeah, there were some really, really wonderful, wonderful moments, which and, is why I love this film so much. And, and one thing we didn't... I would go and see it right yeah, now. Yeah. Like, I would just yeah. go and see it again. And one thing we didn't talk about, BB-8. Oh, the fact that, that that's a practical effect? The fact that it, two things. The fact that it's a practical effect, that it's a fucking puppeteered device. Yep. I don't believe there has been better characterization or feeling from a character that doesn't speak since Wally. Oh, it's fantastic. Yes, completely agree. BB-8 was amazing. I've read a bit of criticism at BB-8 and I just immediately dismissed whoever was writing that. I didn't read any further. Why would you? That was a fantastic... Apart from the, let's hide the plans Mm. to the death planet stars. And Starkiller Base, I look at it, it it was a new hope. Mm. Starkiller Base, Death Star blew up one planet and that was it. Mm. Starkiller Base blew up a few planets, but at the end of the day, that was it. Mm. They were trying to blow it, it up. The super duper, the Just, super duper Star Wars. Yeah. Why the fuck would they keep building these things? Yes, yeah. you think That's... you'd learn after the second one? Exactly. It just makes no sense. I would have liked Starkiller Base to be an Omicron more, um, more. So what happens? It drains the fucking power of a sun. The planet doesn't move, does it? No. It from a not wanting to bring science into it. If it has just pulled in the entire power of a sun, mm. when it explodes. It should destroy a fucking solar system. Yeah. It yes. should. It. It's not just a small explosion that just does it. Killing that base should have wiped out a fucking quadrant yes. of the galaxy. Yes. Billions of billions of people yes. would have been killed. Yep. Because effectively, you've just exploded a sun. Well, they just blew up fucking Alderaan. Yeah. Same thing. No mention of that too. That would have yanked planets out of alignment. Mm. That would have. You know. So, what feels wrong about Starkiller Base? was it just served no purpose other than to be the MacGuffin, the final... And it just... The, it could have been so much more. It yeah. could have been... To me, what I would have liked to have seen was the Resistance being a little bit more powerful than yeah. the Empire or the First Order. And I actually would have yeah, liked to have seen... Because they won in Jedi. Yeah. So, and they're saying, oh, the, the Resistance has... Why are they called the Resistance? Why are they just not called the Republic Army? Yeah. Well, you know, that's what I don't get. And I would have actually liked to have seen that concept explored mm. where the Republic Army is chasing the First Order through the galaxy and we could yeah, almost the or- go... They should be on the back foot. The exactly. First Order should be on the back foot. And Starkiller Base should be their ultimate. Mm. And then that should be the, the, the third movie. But five out of stars out of five, oh, yeah. I can't. Yeah. I just loved every minute of this film. When I first saw it, um, I kind of went 8 out of 10, and then I've just gone 10 out of 10. I yeah, I've, 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 it's gained a half a star for me in between watching it and then thinking about it. Yeah. It's gone for 4 to 4. Yeah. Anyway, Star Wars. It's an amazing fucking film. If you haven't seen it already, we've ruined it for you. Um, but, but you deserve it. Go and see it. Anyway. Yeah. finish to close it out something that we tried to do on and off in the history of our of our glorious podcast top five lists yeah i like a list you like jesus christ you're just breaking shit all over the place aren't you god damn it and in honor of star wars top five romantic comedies top five romantic comedies that's right (laughs) that didn't star meg right oh fuck 
Are, are they allowed to make um, comedies? So I have one. <laughs> so yeah, so top five science fiction movies that aren't Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Now, you might have a different view. I have excluded movies like Gravity and The Martian mm-hmm. from being science fiction because to me, there's not enough fiction. Yep. The science in it is far too real mm-hmm. for me to consider it a science fiction movie in the truest sense. Yep. So I don't know if you have... No, I went. View. I went true sci-fi. Yeah, because if we included it, then The Martian would probably be on the list. Oh, for sure. Even Gravity, for all yeah. its faults, yeah. was a brilliantly but shot piece. I did not consider them science fiction, so yep. I've excluded them from this list. And I also didn't include Plan Nine from Outer Space. Then your list has no credibility. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you rank yours? Kind of. Yeah, I... kind of. But it's 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 a list that you know from day to day would change. Like this film would be above this film. Yeah. Okay. So I, I didn't really rank mine, but I mm-hmm. did. I they kind of are, but they're not. But yeah. please lead out. Starting off, my number five, District Nine. Mm-hmm. Fantastic performances, grounded in a cutting indictment of apartheid. This movie was one of the best films that just came out of nowhere. Yep. From unknown people to be a bona fide classic. Yep. I dig it. I don't like District 9 and whatnot. I've... Terminator 2. As my... Uh, Terminator was a brilliant film. I love The Terminator. And this sequel is matched only by Empire Strikes Back and Aliens as sequels that are somehow better than the first, which is which are huge boots to fill as far as I'm concerned. So, like The Matrix, this film holds up. Arnie is excellent. Furlong showed some real promise before he, you know, became drug fucked. And Robert Patrick was a brilliant foil for the governor himself, which is astonishing given the physicality of Arnie. Um, I think this is a brilliant piece of storytelling. Dark City. Creepy, weird Donald Sutherland. An amazingly dense and deeply constructed world. Kiefer Sutherland. What did I say? Donald. Donald Sutherland? Yeah. No, Kiefer Sutherland? Yep. We'll fix that in post. Excellent. And Jennifer Connelly. Oh. oh Jennifer Connelly. What? Make this movie, which in lesser hands, mm-hmm. could be sort of contrived and cheesy. Yep. But they keep it really dense, really touching. And yeah, I, I think this is a fantastic And interesting, the yeah. whole way through. Yeah. Gripping movie. Yeah, yeah, I really, really liked it. I like Dark City. I mean, so far, I think we're probably two for... You know, I don't know. I'm about to hit you my second one. Um, so I tip my hand on this. Aliens. Mm-hmm. This 1986 action sci-fi horror. Fantastic film. It's well-paced. It's relentless. It's a significant improvement on the original, which is hard-pressed because Ridley Scott's Alien is just astonishingly good filmmaking. This film te- shaped my teenage vocabulary. And to this day, if something's not going well, I will still bust out a game over, man. <laughs> game over. Game fucking over. <laughs> this was Jim Cameron pre-Titanic and at the height of his powers. I loved Aliens. My number three? Yep. Terminator 2. Okay. Still the perfect action movie Yeah. for me and the high point of a series that really needs to stop being remade. <sighs> and a director at the absolute peak of his craft. You've seen Gen- Genesis? Yeah. <sighs> from kind of liking Salvation, I now yeah. don't want to watch Salvation no. anymore in case I... Yeah. yeah, a director at the absolute height of his oh, craft yeah. And I'll be honest, I choke up every time when he gives the thumbs up yeah. in the molten. That it just breaks my heart. It's a great fucking film. Yeah. It is a great film. It holds up, as yeah. I said before, it holds up. So I kind of mentioned this one as well, The Matrix. The film speaks for itself, and like uh, another film in my list, Terminator Two, was cutting edge technology. Uh, is mind bending storytelling. It's spectacular action, and it holds up. It holds up. 
The much maligned follow-ups and subsequent mythos has polarised fans, but the one thing for fans that has remained constant, uh, The Matrix, was brilliant. And I think, so that's why I didn't go The Matrix yeah. series. The Matrix stands yes. alone as a fantastic film. Yeah. My number two, Inception. Yes. Again, layered, dense, complex mindfuck mm-hmm. of a film. I felt Interstellar reached a bit too far and didn't quite grab the ring, but Inception is just superb. As a sci-fi thriller, I think it's brilliantly made, brilliantly acted, and just all around fucking, yeah. fucking top-notch. My only, And I loved Inception. It was on my honourable mentions list. But I think, for me, when I think sci-fi, I think action sci-fi and stuff so which is why interstellar i actually really loved interstellar i only watched it again recently uh for about the third time or maybe fourth time and i liked the bit but to me i actually believe it or not i put interstellar on the same category as the martian and and gravity because of the realness of the the potential sci the the, you know it's science fiction but at the same time it's like well no it's not i mean they, they had a real anyway I love. I don't know why we're going on a tangent. I like um, Interstellar a lot. Number two for me is uh, Predator. Arnie, muscles, miniguns, and an undesirable—sorry, uh, an undeniable desire for someone to make their way to in all haste to a helicopter. John McTiernan's 1987 actioner is a slow boiler that delivers on action, suspense, and an incredibly cool alien creature that is every bit as iconic as Ridley Scott's Alien or John Carpenter's The Thing. I fucking love Predator. It's just such a great film. And it's the epitome of the 80s. My number one mm-hmm. sci-fi film. And until until this week, until Star Wars, the only film that I have seen twice in the cinema in one day. I saw it, came out, met some friends who were going in to see it. I walked right the fuck back in. Mm-hmm. 12 Monkeys. Oh. 12 Monkeys. The artistry and vision of Terry Gilliam. Mm. who is just a crazy genius. One of the best Bruce Willis performances. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, probably the best Brad Pitt performance. This yeah, this film is... I, I just think this is an amazing, amazing film. Again, it's dance, time travel shit going on. Yep. It's just the fatalism of it that nothing can change. That, you know, going and trying to change the past means that you create the future it's, yeah. I yeah. just felt it was superb uh, anytime you fuck anytime you put time travel in a movie though I li- like I liked it I didn't I've only seen it a couple of times for me it was the matrix I went out bought another ticket went straight back in bought it went out bought another I think it's for like four times in the first day like it was with, by myself and with friends the thing with 12 monkeys I agree with pretty much everything you say except that the moment you start putting time travel into any film be it harry potter be it back to the future be it you just create far too much trouble than it's worth i think looper was a perfect example of a potentially cool premise and then right up and then you start thinking all the way through it you go hang on this just doesn't fucking this just doesn't hold up but 12 monkeys was a good movie in fact i might probably might even give that another a whirl i would how brad pitt best performance ever fight club wow i i just how do you, you know? I mean, fuck. Anyway, you're entitled to your wrong opinion. My number one, <laughs> my number one won't surprise anybody who really knows me. June, 
David Lynch, Sting, Colm McLaughlin's hair, and uh, McLaughlin, and Francesca Annis. Released in 19, December 1994, a year after Return of the Jedi, a movie that David Lynch passed on uh, directing. It was met with pretty much universal loathing. Roger Ebert, I dug this up last night, Roger Ebert said, it took Dune nine minutes to completely strip me of my anticipation. I saw this film in 1986 and loved it from the start. It's big, it's bold, it's confusing as fuck, uh, which made me want to get right into it even more. Like, it really caught me. There's something about it that caught me. I'm like, I've got to watch this again. What do you mean the sleeper awakens? What do you mean this? What what the fuck are you talking? Fucking giant worms? What the fuck are you talking? The spice? And I love everything about it. And then I read the book. And I pick up Dune probably once every couple of years and read it just as a palate cleanser or whatnot. I didn't get into the others as much, but Dune as itself is a fantastic book. And I think I think Lynch caught the spirit of the book, of sci-fi not being pretty, of this dense, unrelenting political drama that would that, that is playing out in the world at the moment. Well, that would play out in the universe it doesn't have fucking earwalks and the weirding module is every bit as badass as a lightsaber that's right. i fucking love doom well, well down folks, what are we that's uh I, it's long for some for some reason it's not showing time okay but in 4-4 we're up to bar 2327 right excellent so i don't know what that means hour and a bit <laughs> it feels long so we it might does. you might you might have to trim some of this fat yeah but Pretty much all your bits out. Yeah, that yeah, I'll do that. So, hopefully, motherfuckers, this means we're back. Yep. In a big, bad way. There's shit to talk about. Next time we come back, hopefully there'll be a... And there might not even be a review next time. It might just be a, uh, a year in review. Uh, we're going to talk about our best and worst movies. We'll probably add some TV in yeah. there as well, because it's been a big year in TV. And then what we're looking forward to... Yeah, even we might, might just try and close the year out, maybe. But we'll, we will uh, be back. Oh, well, I'd be like back. to be back because um, it reminds me that this was one of the reasons that I used to go to the cinema a lot. <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> go to the cinema. I think I've been in the cinema about three times this year yeah. for someone who used to go fairly regularly, and it was a great excuse. Oh, we're reviewing this movie, so I've got to go and see it at the cinema. <laughs> so, but anyway, I think that's fantastic. Complaints? We don't give a fuck. Yeah. You? you know, look. To be honest, let's just be very, very clear about this. We want you to listen. We need you to listen. But we don't care about your opinion. So, or pay us. Yeah. And then we'll be a little pup. Then we'll, then we'll gratefully dance to a little tune that our corporate overlords will provide us. And yet again, this episode brought to you by Stan. Australia's <laughs> premium non-Netflix streaming service. Fuck Netflix. <laughs> Contact us. Twitter, ACOP Nate. ACOP Wooding. Um, our Facebook page, yeah. ACOP Podcast. Which is, you know, it's got... Because apparently you're not allowed to write pricks in your yeah. thing. Um, occasionally we engage with fans on podcast uh, on the page. Uh, yeah. Usually just tell them they're wrong, um, or to just laugh at people, or, or, to, <laughs> or debate trolls, which is yes. always which is always fun. But uh, yeah, so but until next time, I've been Woody. I'm Nate, and we're, we're a couple, couple of pricks. Oh, like falling off a horse. <laughs>
Where the fuck has snot come from? What the fuck? <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a good start. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. Welcome back. Okay. Welcome back with the snort. Yes, that's right. <laughs> rocketing, that's right. Rocketing up the charts with the snort. 